You are listening to Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology, curated by Sarah Elizabeth Smith and Kelsey Davis. Be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Theosophia and consider supporting this labor of love project for women's empowerment. Before we jump into this week's episode, y'all, I wanted to share that my home state has been experiencing some extreme weather conditions these last 24 hours, and I just wanted to ask for your thoughts and prayers and, and good vibes for us during these rough months. Most of the state, it seems, either canceled school or work yesterday, and I, I got out early so folks get, get home and near their safe places. And I'm so thankful that our weather folks can predict this stuff so much earlier now so folks can prepare. So Oklahoma and the other Tornado Alley states keep staying weather aware during these storm seasons. In podcast news, Kelsey and I will be doing a live podcast at Wild Goose Festival this summer. I believe we are going to be interviewing someone awesome on Friday, July 12th. And for those of you who don't know about the Wild Goose Festival, it's a four-day spirit, justice, music, and arts festival. It's a transformational, experiential place where all are welcome. So it's like Burning Man for progressive Christians. It takes place every summer in Hot Springs, North Carolina, which is about 45 minutes northwest of Asheville, North Carolina. Kelsey and I will be at the Wild Goose Festival Thursday afternoon, July 11th, until Sunday the 14th. So if you're at the festival, we hope you'll come by and say hello. We have some cool swag to give away, and we are always looking to meet new people and build our community outside of our online platform. So much more fun to hang out in person. And we will announce our interviewee as soon as we get closer to the date, but we will be focusing our conversation on the overarching theme of building beloved community and what it takes to form specifically multicultural congregations. That's something that Kelsey and I have both been really intrigued about since Kelsey and I both started our new positions working for our diocese and getting to know our diverse communities and our and our contexts. If you all remember my conversation with the Reverend Dr. Ruth Myers a couple episodes ago, her research is on exactly that, how multicultural congregations function and thrive in a world that is often extremely segregated. So this is something y'all might notice running in the background of our podcast this season, is how can we literally bring everyone to the table to create beloved community? That's the vision of our church, specifically the Episcopal Church, and certainly part of the vision of this podcast. Okay, enough from me. Let's tune back into Kelsey's conversation with Margot Guernsey, the filmmaker and director of Time Travel Productions LLC, a documentary film and media company. Kelsey and Margot dive deeper into the importance of storytelling and how it can be a transformative practice. Here's Kelsey and Margot. Um, and then there's a, there's another film that's, that's out right now, right? Um, Councilwoman, um, that, that you've worked on. Um, you want to say anything about Councilwoman just for our listeners to know what, what, what's going on there? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. So <clears throat> you can read more about it at councilwomanfilm.com. It's a film about a good friend of mine who I know from my union organizing days. She's a hotel housekeeper, um, continues to work as a full-time hotel housekeeper, and she's also a city councilor in Providence, Rhode Island. And we started filming when she won her seat on the city council. Um, and that film, to me, was always about how our politicians are rarely um, working people. So people, and, and most of America are working people, but politicians rarely have that experience of living paycheck to paycheck, punching in and out of a job, cleaning toilets. Um, and, she, you know, I knew that from when she was elected, I knew she would keep her job at the hotel because the city council's paid very little. Um, and so having that experience of cleaning hotel rooms all day and then walking, changing out of her uniform and putting on a suit and going across the city hall and, and making public policy decisions, um, that was always at the core of why we started making the film. So what would that experience be like for Carmen? And the film follows her first four years in office. So check it out. Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to watch it. That sounds pretty amazing. Um, so, so you've worked on amazing projects. You're working on amazing projects. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned earlier in the episode that, that listening and, and deep listening is, is so much a part of, of what you do. And, you know, when we talk about um, patriarchal constructs and white supremacy and these forces really um, that have caused a ton of violence to a lot of people, um, Listening is probably not a value of, of a white supremacist system, right? So to lift up listening is actually to dismantle that and to offer something different. Um, so I'm wondering if you can just expound a little bit on, on how, how you listen to others. And, um, you know, it sounds like allow yourself to be transformed by what you hear, which is a, an art. Um, so so what's, your, what's your wisdom for us who, who want to be good listeners and want to be transformed by other people's stories? I'm glad that you brought us back to this. Um, I think at its core, that is what I do um, or what I strive to do. Um, I think that an important part of listening is being present and having the intention of being present. And I think that's hard. It's probably always been hard. I think it's even harder now because we live very full lives and we live lives that, with easy access to electronics, which can make our lives even fuller because things happen very quickly. Um, but I think it's mostly about being present and it's also about um, appreciating silence. I think magic can happen in silence. I think we underestimate that by feeling like we need to fill silence. Um, you know, as a filmmaker, there's always also the element of making sure you're asking the right questions um, because people, want to answer the questions you ask. <laughs> so if you ask the wrong, I mean, even I'm doing that with you in this interview, I'm listening to your question and making sure I'm trying to answer it. Um, and so asking the wrong questions as a filmmaker can have a dire consequence because you might get the wrong story. <laughs> um, 
but I think this is a listening is also a practice there. You can never be good enough at it. Um, and, and in filmmaking, there's another layer because there's the presence of listening in person to the people you're filming. Um, and then there's listening to them in a more, in a broader, uh, dare I say, more spiritual way when you're listening, when you're pondering the story as you're, you know, which pieces, not sitting with the, you know, in the edit room listening to the footage, but also we carry the stories we're telling with us wherever we are in the supermarket, picking up the kids at school, watching them play on the playground. Um, I'm thinking about what the footage, what, what, what I'm hearing in the footage, what I'm hearing in real life. And so there's also the sort of being present with the story. There's a lot of times the biggest moments in terms of what, what really the story is about don't happen when you think you're working. They happen at other times. Um, so it's a practice. It's, it's a practice. And, and, and also to assume that you're always listening and not bringing in your own perspective is a false assumption. And I think that's also important to recognize. We always have our own perspective and we're always listening based on how, how, we, how we come to a situation. And that's never going to change. Um, so I feel very responsible to um, recognize where, how I'm coming to a situation because I know that's going to be a part of the story I'm telling no matter what I do. Mm. Have you always been someone who's a listener? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, it is true that as a union organizer, I was trained to listen. Um, but I don't know if that's how I started thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I ask because like you just said, we bring ourselves while we're listening, right? And I, there's a joke that in my younger days, um, my friends used to call me an, an intense talker. <laughs> but I just had a lot that I needed to get out. And I was always talking at everyone. Um, and so in you know, my later young adult years, I tried this, to be more diligent about practicing listening. Um, um, because I think, you know, as a Christian, at least, you know, I come from, I identify as a Christian that, you know, in, in, in the Hebrew Bible, it's, the, the, it's hear, O Israel, right? And constantly in the Gospels, we hear, um, we hear God speaking into the story of listen, like listen to him, listen to Jesus. And um, I just recently finished reading a book called Jesus is the question and where where it, it you know the author talks about how Jesus asked about 300 questions was asked about 180 and arguably depending on which theologian you're asking answered less than 10 questions and so if if we think about the Jesus movement and the life of Christ um, as he was moving through the world he was asking almost a hundred times more questions than he was offering any answers. And so I think there's this, there's this profound art of what you've just described of not only what does it mean to listen, but to formulate a good question. And, and that maybe, you know, in, in story exchange, um, that's the practice um, is, is what are we drawing out and what are we inviting each other into sharing by the questions that we're asking? Mm -hmm.
um, which is, is pretty beautiful. So I wonder, um, before we sort of wrap up our time together, if there's any leftover wisdom that you want to make sure that we hear, Margot, I, I just, you're an amazing woman and you're doing an amazing thing. And just want to be sure that, that our listeners get to hear whatever you want to share with the world. One other thing I got thinking about when reading the questions you had sent to me for this interview was the value, how much we underestimate the value of stories in our lives. Um, I think that children engage with stories at a very high level mm. because, because stories help them understand the world or help them ask more questions about the world that they're learning about. And I think as adults, we don't realize the extent to which we tell stories about ourselves as a way to identify ourselves and as a way to understand the world around us. Um, but we're telling ourselves stories every day. And um, whether it's about, and in some ways, it's sometimes they're destructive. It's about an interaction we had that frustrated us. And then we tell ourselves a story about it. And the way we choose to tell the story about what happened affects our emotions and how we feel for the rest of the day. Um, and we can try to change the story we tell about it if we, if we, if we are practicing that. Um, and then in a much bigger sense, and this brings us back to the film a little bit, as a country, we tell ourselves stories about who we are. And we participate in those narratives to differing extents, depending on who we are. Um, but I think, you know, one reason for putting my, so much of my time now into this film is because I really believe that though the ordinations in the Episcopal Church that happened in the 70s should be a part of the story we're telling about ourselves. Um, because they were transformational. And they're also inspiring. Um, so, um, yeah, and it's a project, I think, for, the, for listeners to understand. Documentary filmmaking, when it's independent, so meaning not supported by any of the number of platforms that you could all name <laughs> right now, um, is a long process. Um, and so it's a long process for obvious reasons that have to do with funds. Um, and it's also a long process because we work on small, with small teams. And I think that there's advantages to working with small teams that are very, I should say small teams that are very collaborative. So there's an advantage to that in that I think at the end of the day, the story is richer um, because you aren't making quick decisions to meet, meet some broadcasters very quick deadline. Um, the story is richer, um, but it is, and, and, and then it also, is a, the, there's also this process of the different stages of fundraising. So um, all of that to say is this is a film that's very much in production. Um, you'll hear more about it in the online universe in, in coming months, but you will all, and you probably not see a finished film for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. Beautiful. Um, well, what, what I heard and what you just shared about the power of story is, is the way that, you know, we inherit sort of, um, different cultural constructs into you know our greater society and our different cultures are, are sort of shaping who we understand who we are and how we understand ourselves and so there's this this tension between an inherited narrative and then and then also the story that that maybe we need to be true right and that creative tension actually is is what i hear you saying worth examining 
um, what am I being told and, and what story am I telling? Um, and that when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to, the, to those realities, um, something really beautiful can emerge from that. And, and so I wonder, you know, as we, as we close our time together, for our listeners, you know, what, what story or what stories have you inherited? Um, what is society telling you that you should be or what your narrative is? And, and what story do you want to be creating and shaping? Um, and, and so that question, and then also, what are the stories you haven't heard yet? Um, I hear that from what you're sharing with Polly Murray and how hearing Polly's story transformed, you know, your perspective, it transformed my perspective. So what are the stories we haven't encountered yet that we need to go hear? So. I'll leave, I'll leave our podcast listeners with those questions. And thank you, Margo, so much for your time. It's been a joy to be with you. That was beautifully stated. And it's really been a pleasure to be with you as well. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. Thanks again, Margo, for sharing your story and gifts with us on the podcast. This episode in particular has sparked a lot of wondering for me about the value of storytelling or story sharing. Kelsey's question at the end beckons us to think about what stories we are missing in the world or what we could think even more locally and wonder what stories are we not telling ourselves about our own lives in particularity. And are the stories we tell ourselves helpful and productive or not? Also, Margot's perspective on how every time we encounter a story, we bring to our own story and context and perspective to that story. It is impossible to come to a story or a text without our own bias and our own lens. What a powerful and important concept to keep in the back of our minds as we encounter basically everything during any given day. I think this is a great way to have an ego check before encountering another person's story. If we come to a person thinking only from our perspective as a starting point, it's really hard to go back and remind ourselves that we are not the standard or the norm for other people. Everyone comes from their own place and has been influenced by their family and their culture. We have to be mindful of this so we don't go into it with some sort of superiority complex or or a posture of I know better because they don't see the world the way I do, so it's automatically wrong or less than. So thank you, Margot, for sparking such generative reflection for me and for Kelsey as well with carrying this over into the question of what stories are we missing. After editing these interviews, Kelsey and I decided that next week we are going to sit down and mull over these questions together that Margot brought up for us about the importance of story and storytelling we couldn't let it go, so thank you, Margot, for inspiring us and challenging us to think more deeply about the type of work you do and how we all use these concepts in some way in our lives every day. So join us next week, y'all, for Kelsey and I's conversation about stories as a hermeneutical posture, or in other words, as a way in which we discern our worlds. As always, be sure to stay in touch with us on social media and visit our Patreon page and consider supporting the Theosophia podcast. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.